Dave, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. We're going to talk about your recent run across Canada for rare disease, Outrun Rare, and, and the rare disease landscape in Canada. Let's start with your son, Sam, though. How old is Sam? What's he like? And, and how did he draw you into the world of rare disease? Yeah, well, my, my son, Sam, he's, he's nine years old now. Um, and he's, he's, he's an outgoing character. He's, he's a loving, caring, sweet guy. He's got these big brown eyes. And uh, he's, he's very drawing. It's just his personality. He's a loving, loving, caring guy. And when he was, when he was two years old, uh, he was hospitalized. Uh, this was, you know, just over, over eight, almost eight years ago now. And he was hospitalized with um, facet paralysis. Um, and this was really the second time he was hospitalized within, within the, the, the previous 12 months. Um, the first time when he was hospitalized, the doctors and nurses and researchers and everybody at the hospital said, we don't know how, we, we don't know what's going on here. Let's just assume it's a virus that attacked his brain and made everything stop, you know, all, all movement. Um, but look, he's, he's regaining it, and, and, and who knows, maybe it's just a virus that, that, that's a one-time thing. Um, Twelve months later, we were back in, in the hospital and with the exact same symptoms. And this time, all the doctors um, ended up looking at one another and saying, hey, this is a relapsing condition, and this is something that we don't understand. So it took us over six years. The next six years, um, we, we were undiagnosed for the next six years. Um, we went through this kind of diagnostic odyssey with Sam, uh, me and my wife, and we have two other daughters as well, too. And, you know, it's, it's, it's an exhausting place to be, um, not knowing how to help out your child, not being linked to best practices, uh, potential treatments, and on and so forth. And in, in Canada, the average rare disease diagnosis takes five years. I didn't know this going into this whole process. I used to think that um, doctors and nurses, researchers, always had the answers. When you got sick, you would go to the hospital and they would give you this drug or they would diagnose you with this. But over the, that six over that, that six years of not having answers, um, we, 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 were, we were enlightened, unfortunately, to the rare disease community and really to, to, the, to, the, to the understanding that we really don't know too much and that, and that there is an increase in support that's needed for, for, for rare, um, not just across Canada, but, but really all over the world. So about six years later, we end up getting that diagnosis for my son, Sam. So he's got a diagnosis. It's called relapsing encephalopathy with cerebellar ataxia. He was only the sixth diagnosed in the world with this ultra-rare disease since there have been many kids that have been diagnosed with, uh, kids and adults that have been diagnosed with, with, this, um, with, this, uh, with this title, with this, with this disease. And so, um, but as it stands right now, there, there really is no treatment. There are no drugs that, are, that, that support you know, what my son has. Um, but, you know, I, I really do feel that, that there, there could be a lot more support and there could be a lot more um, advancement when it comes to, to helping out, you know, kids like my son. How did Sam ultimately get diagnosed? Uh, so it was a, a, a whole exome sequencing um, that they ended up going and, and trying to find that, you know, proverbial needle in a haystack. Um, so, you know, in Canada, it, it takes a long time uh, to be able to get the support and to get the access needed to even get diagnosis. Um, it's, it's quite a, an odd um, system that we end up having, we have in this country, where we have a, you know, really a, a Medicare-type model system where if you fit into boxes, um, you're, you're really quite well looked after in this country. But as you and I both know, rare doesn't really fit into a box. Um, and so, unfortunately, our governments are moving further towards that direction, and that kind of leaves 
rare, uh, families like mine kind of, kind of in the dust, kind of behind. And so we end up getting whole exome sequencing and finding out that, hey, whoa, look at that gene called ATP1A3 and that there was a significant mutation. And wait one second, there's, there's five other kids or five other people in the world that have very similar um, symptoms. And so from, uh, from that point on, the geneticists called us into the office, and they were really quite excited to be able to, to, to give us an answer, to give us, to give us some news. Well, this is, as you mentioned, an, an ultra-rare disease. It's, it's a, a neurological condition. How well understood it is? What's the prognosis? And in the absence of a, a treatment for the disease, do you treat symptoms? We do. We treat symptoms at this point. A lot of it is physiotherapy and, and OT and really just trying to come to grips with, okay, Sam is a toxic. He has lack of balance and coordination that, you know, makes him kind of struggle with, with day-to-day things like eating and going to the washroom and dressing himself. But, you know, the most amazing thing about Sam is that he, you know, any child that has struggles earlier in life, that, that's all really all that they know. And so Sam is a master of adaptation. He just finds a way to do it because he wants to go play with his friends. He wants to eat those foods. So he, he, he finds a way of doing it. Um, right now, there, there's, you know, we really are treating the symptoms. We are really trying to get a, a, a best handle on, 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 on what exercises Sam should be doing to develop strength and on and so forth. But the sad part about relapsing encephalopathy with cerebellar ataxia is the first word of of that phrase, it's, it's relapsing. So this is a relapsing condition. So Sam's had two relapses in his life, one when he was one and one when he was two years old, and best indication is that these relapses will continue happening the rest of Sam's life. He has not had a relapse in, in seven years, uh, almost eight years now, And um, but relapses will probably end up happening. And what happens with a relapse is Sam, his cerebellum shuts down, stops Functioning and your cerebellum um, handle you know, it, it takes care of balance and coordination. So if you don't have balance and coordination, even the most simple movements like speaking, the way you are and I are speaking right now, we're coordinating our, our 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 muscles to be able to contract and relax at different times to speak properly. And so Sam's speech is really quite slurred and, and delayed. Um, so 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 things like that would end up happening. He would end up in the hospital again, and he would have to start off from scratch, uh, moving speaking, swallowing, um, things like that, things that we all take for granted. Let's talk about your run. How, how did you come to run for rare disease? So what, what, what ended up happening was about two, just over two years ago, um, I've got a very good friend who his son has mitochondrial disease, and his name is Blaine Penny, and Blaine Penny is the executive director and, and the founder of Mito Canada, and um, we were tested for mitochondrial disease years ago, my son, and um, thank goodness he does not have mitochondrial disease. Um, but that got me in contact with Blaine, and Blaine, you since, has been on this this, this path, this this, um, this 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 journey of making lives better for for for, for people with with mitochondrial disease in Canada. Um, and so what, what we ended up doing was we set up all these treadmills in um, the Calgary Marathon Race Expo. And what we ended up doing was we broke n- numerous world records to go raise $85,000 in the end for, for Mito Canada, for mitochondrial disease. And I ended up breaking two of those Guinness World Records, so the furthest distance run on treadmill in 12 hours, and then the furthest distance run on treadmill in, in 24 hours. I ran 260 kilometers. And, um, you know, that really opened my eyes because... 
to this point, running in my life has always been a, um, it's a, it's been a relative coping strategy. Um, when I go for a run, my anger, my fear, my all those things that kind of consumes a lot of families with 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 with, with, with children with rare diseases, um, it, it kind of just melts it all away. But I, this was the very first time in my life that I realized, wow, it's instead of going out and winning a, an ultra marathon or, or a hundred mile race or breaking a Canadian or world record, I could go out and actually create change in the world, and especially because I feel so passionate about the needs for, for more support for, for people with rare disease. So right after the treadmill, I got home and I, I poured my wife her second or third glass of wine and I said, hey Sharon, um, I've got an idea. What do you say you and I and the kids travel across Canada next year, next summer, um, in an RV? And then I poured her a fourth glass of wine and I told her, okay, you know, what do you say I run behind the RV? And I'd try to break the Trans-Canadian speed record, the fastest crossing of Canada ever. Um, but in the meantime, raise loads of money and create tons of awareness for for more rare disease support and research in Canada. Um, she didn't say no. It might have taken another glass of wine for her to say yes, but she didn't say no. And that started our, our run across Canada, which was called Outrun Rare. And so, yeah, just this past year, on June 27th, I ended up dipping my hat. Uh, I run in a cowboy hat. I ended up dipping my hat in, in uh, uh, off, uh, on, on, off the coast of, of, of Victoria in Canada, and I set forth to to run 7,200 kilometers in 66 days. So that's 108 kilometers of, of running a day, no days off. Um, looking to break the Trans-Canadian speed record, but really wanting to open up Canadians' eyes and ears to the needs for more rare disease research and support um and you know things 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 didn't go according to plan but life never does and that is and that isn't that uh, uh the similar for for families you know going through rare disease struggles and um unfortunately i ended up making it to the just onto the to the east side of winnipeg it's just under three thousand kilometers now at that time i was i was on pace to break the trans-canadian speed record but um, I ended up getting an injury. Um, yeah, it's a, it was a herniated disc in my, my low back, and it got worse and worse and worse as, as I went throughout this run. And I got to a point that I was really un, unable to stand. I was unable to, to run. And my medical team back home said, Yeesh, Dave, we, we believe this is, this is surgical now, and you, 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 you need to stop. But the neat thing was, when I ended up stopping, um, I ended up putting out a plea, and at this point, we ended up creating this incredible following on social media, and and this this conversation just started happening. A lot of my friends would end up, you know, they'd go out for dinner, and then the table next to them, they would, hey, did you hear about this guy who's running across the country for rare disease, and his son has a rare disease, and, you know, it, it, it became all the talk in Canada. And when I ended up stopping, I made a video, and we put it out there, and I said, it breaks my heart. But I have to stop. I could, my medically cannot go on any further, um, and I can no longer run across this country for my son Sam. But, um, but you can help me, and I'm asking and begging for your help from this point on. And so, what you can do is you can go to our, our website, outrunrare.com, and click on Virtual Run, 
And if you're going for a two-kilometer run after dinner tonight, or if you're going for a 10-kilometer run on the weekend, or a one-kilometer walk in the morning with your dog, you can go online and you can donate those kilometers, and you can see it to it that we finish up our task of running across this country, accumulating enough kilometers to get across this country. And our goal was to complete the run across the country, to get to St. John's, to complete the 7,200 kilometers. But you know the neatest thing that happened was that didn't happen. We made it all the way to St. John's, and we turned around and came back, and we ended up traveling across Canada, 7,200 kilometers, 7.77 times. And that's phenomenal. I mean, it's just it's, think about that. You know, think about the messaging behind that. Families like mine in this country where we don't have a rare disease strategy um, with our government. Uh, we're told by um, our politicians. We're told by, um, you know, medical staff. We're told by our communities that, you know, it's rare. Why should I care? You guys go stand over there and we'll, we'll take care of you later. But we didn't really feel supported. But now you have Canadians standing up everywhere and running in the rain, in the morning, and up mountains. And they're, they're, they're putting together all these miles and saying, rare matters. You, we matter and, 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 and we care about, um, you know, we care about rare disease moving forward. So, so, so Outrun Rare, I, in my opinion, was a complete success. Um, because really it, it spread a message that I thought needed to be spread. I imagine you got to meet rare disease patients and families along the way. What was Absolutely. Like? So, you know, it was, I, I, I thought it was going to be emotional. I never really ever thought how emotional it really became. There's a lot of these families with, you know, with rare disease that really felt alone in the world. Um, even myself, when we ended up getting our diagnosis for my son's family, Nobody in the hospital ever told us about the Rare Disease Foundation. There was no, in Canada, there are, there's very little support. Um, and so a lot of these people that, that, you know, they have children or they have family members that don't have diagnoses, or if they're lucky enough to have a diagnosis, there really isn't a community for them. They end up hearing about this on, 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 on Twitter and, and on Instagram and on Facebook. And they came out in drones. And I, to be honest with you, every single night I would get, bombarded by all these messages of, of, of go get them, Dave, and, and, and don't stop, and, and thank you, uh, thank you messages. Um, some incredibly powerful, um, you know, people that, that you know, they, they said, well, I really wish you would have done this 10 years ago because my child died last year. Um, I really wish that we could have had more of a handle on this. I wish, uh, you know, I, I wish my, my daughter and my son were still here. Um, we end up having a lot of people, you know, writing up big signs um, and, and meeting me on the on the highway, um, rolling down their windows and yelling out words of support out, out on the highway. It was the, the 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 messaging that I ended up getting from the rare disease community was incredible. Um, you know, how do you run 108 kilometers a day for six six days in a row? You don't run it with your with your legs. You, you run it with your heart, and my heart was being filled up by. By, by complete strangers that really were unfortunately were in the same boat as I was and some and, and a lot of the time worse so the, the, the you know the, the the amount of people that I end up meeting at a lot of these events that we end up putting on it was it, it was nothing short of spectacular how, how much did you end up raising and, and what are you doing with that money so we, we've ended up raising over three hundred thousand uh, dollars to the at this point um, 
And, you know, that's the, the largest um, windfall, I guess you could call it, or the amount of you know, the, the largest check that the, that the Road Disease Foundation in Canada has ever received. So really, this does kind of turn the table. Um, where that money is going is, is, is it's earmarked for research at this point. Um, but I have gone to the Road Disease Foundation, and, and I have expressed my, my, my wishes and my concerns. And I said, you know, we have an incredible vehicle here without Run Rare. Because I think what the rare disease, sorry, I think what the rare disease community needs is they need somebody that's willing to light themselves on fire on the middle of the Trans-Canada Highway and saying, I will go to the ends of the earth for this cause. Because, you know, in order to raise funds these days, you have to create the circus. You have to create, you know, a massive circus with a, with a funny clown and a big elephant and a loud lion. And I think that's exactly what Outrun Rare is is, hey, there's a big explosion, look over there, and now let's start having this conversation. So I think moving forward in Canada, and Canada's really in a unique uh, position because we really are the only developed country in the world that doesn't have a rare disease strategy. So we we don't even acknowledge rare disease. There, there are class action lawsuits that are happening here in Canada because of a limit of access. People are dying. And there are drugs and repurposed drugs that, 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 that can benefit these people, but yet... They're not available to, 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 to people with rare disease simply because we don't have a strategy moving forward in Ottawa. And so I told the Rare Disease Foundation that I really do believe that with research, yeah, we're picking apples from a tree, but we need to harvest the whole field. And I think that's exactly where Outrun Rare is, is headed. Well, what, what is the future of Outrun Rare? To be honest with you, I'm not certain. And I know that's not the answer that you're looking for, of course, because, you know, having a, a strict direction is, is, is key in this world. But yet I'm just coming off of, um, I'm just coming off of Outrun Rare. And I'm also coming off of, as an athlete, feeling like, shoot, I've failed. Um, I could have run across the country. I could have broken this record. And the problem with athletes is we never, ever look behind us at what we've accomplished. We always look forward to what needs to be done next. And as an advocate, I feel very proud uh, of, of what Outrun Rare has done. But as an athlete, I sit back and say, shoot, we missed out on the rest of the campaigning moving forward because I physically couldn't do it. So there's two things, I think, that that that, uh, that are really in, in the future for Outrun Rare. Number one, we've started a conversation, and we have to continue it. Um, getting momentum and getting the attention of media and, let's face it, average Canadians to have this conversation around dinner tables and water coolers about the needs for more rare disease research is critical. Um, that's exactly how you get things accomplished, is you start a conversation, and Canadians care, but they just need to know what to care about. So, number one, continue the conversation. Come hell or high water, we will continue this conversation. But number two... Um, as an athlete, as you're an ultra marathoner who is more than capable of running 108 kilometers a day for six, six days in a row and breaking the Trans-Canadian speed record, um, I have unfinished business on that highway. And what's next? Um, my head has already concluded that I will be back out on that highway and breaking the Trans-Canadian speed record and, 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 and continually telling my stories and, and, and sharing the message about rare disease in Canada. I, I know there's a, a fair bit of 
frustration among the rare disease community in Canada over the lack of attention they've been able to get from poly policymakers. Last year, the government killed a, a more than five-year effort to put into place yeah. an orphan drug mm -hmm. framework. Well, your run has called a, a lot of attention to rare disease in Canada. Do you have a sense that policymakers are hearing you and that your run has created an opportunity to bring about meaningful action? I do. Um, since... Since my run, uh, I've gotten quite a few phone calls from policymakers in Ottawa, and I've been really quite impressed. And, and I, I really do think that we have been missing the mark in Canada. And it's not because of a lack of effort. I think it's a lack of direction. Now, I'm certainly no expert in this, but I've always thought that you don't ever, you don't lobby politicians and tell them that, hey, people care about this and this matters. Because politicians could very well look around. This is the business that they're in. And they can look around and say, hmm, no one's having this conversation. So why would we need to change direction for where we're currently going and, number two, spend the money on this? And so I thought without Run Rare, you know, number one, what we need to do is we need to go and create a conversation amongst average Canadians because policymakers will follow suit. They have to because, well, politics is politics no matter what country you're in and, and votes always indicate you know, the, the, the desire for change. Um, and so we've been getting phone calls from um, these policymakers, and my real hope is that uh, in just over a year we have another federal election. And my real hope is that um, we can have a rare disease strategy built into into a platform. I've told uh, these policymakers that we've, I've ended up speaking to um, I told them that this is not a liberal issue. This is not an NDP issue. This is not a conservative issue. This is a leadership issue, and we have yet we have yet to have a leader in this country stand up for this vulnerable group. And I think it's about time. And I've told them that my message, without Run Rare, and my mandate is only getting stronger. And so I'm I'm not going anywhere. Um, but maybe the next place I'm going to be is is in St. John starting this run all over again with a louder message. And so if they can only, if, if they can help support us, then, then, uh, then I, I think that's the greatest good for, for, for families living with rare disease across this country. Dave Proctor, ultramarathoner, philanthropist, and rare disease advocate. Dave, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you very much.